On this episode of Clinically Pressed, we have Lindsay Shea, who is a physical therapist who does a couple unique things in the physical therapy realm. First, she works with kids with special needs and does intensive physical therapy, which we talk about in this episode and what that actually means. And also, she does it on a cash basis, which is something that is not uncommon in PT, but definitely something that is still kind of growing in terms of how physical therapists are reaching people and their patients to help provide the services to help them get back. So a lot of really good information, um, very interesting approach to a lot of things in this episode, and we hope you enjoy that. A lot of big things coming for Clinically Press. We've been busy working at it. Uh, we hope to get those out to you soon. So without further ado, please enjoy the sub. This episode of Clinically Pressed, we are on with Lindsay Shea, who is a physical therapist in the Cooley region in Wisconsin, for people that aren't local, I'm hearing that, but in La Crescent, Minnesota. Uh, we connected a long time ago trying to get this set up. Uh, Lindsay actually reached out, uh, so we looked in and saw some very cool things that she was doing with as a physical therapist. Uh, which is what we're going to talk about today. Um, we've been trying to make this happen, but it seems like every time we were set, um, more often than not, I had something come up, but um, life just kind of, yeah, life happens. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so now we're finally here, got the recording going. So I'm really looking forward to doing this. Uh, you've done a lot of interesting things with being a school-based physical therapist, um, owning your own uh, physical therapy company, which I'm excited to hear uh, more about. And with that kind of having a specialized niche, if you will, uh, I don't know if that's the best way to say it, within physical therapy, which I think is also kind of cool and just looking at some of the different things. But before we get into all of that, I just wanna turn it over to you to fill in a little bit of your background and then we'll start getting into some of the questions. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you. So um, just a little background. I, I did attend uh, physical therapy school at UW-La Crosse. Um, after that, I took a job in Decorah, Iowa, <laughs> and I worked down there, and that's where I got my first taste of pediatric physical therapy, but then I also um, worked with outpatient, orthopedic outpatient uh, adults, and then I ran their aquatic program, too, and so I did that for a few years, went back and got my DPT through Des Moines University, um, that's a doctorate of physical therapy, and then um, while all that was happening, I had my first child <laughs> who, instead of coming out like nor uh, textbook, right, textbook delivery or whatever, uh, he decided to join us four months early. Oh, and wow. so um, I had, I was about 20 weeks along and I had found out I was having twins and the very next doctor's appointment, I found stuff wasn't going as planned and the next week they were born. <laughs> so um, so my daughter made it three days in the NICU. She was, um, 
she was the second one born and my son made it eight months in the NICU. Uh, he was baby A, they call it. Uh, and so because of that, I, I stayed up in Rochester and we lived at the Ronald McDonald house and we, um, and I um, wasn't worrying about work at that time. And of course, after about four months, you know, they can't hold your job forever. So um, when he finally got discharged from the NICU, I came home and that's when I got into the birth to three program in Minnesota. And I started doing physical therapy. I was only working twice a week because he had a lot of medical needs, so I couldn't go back full time. So I got into birth to three and then that led me into the school system in, in Minnesota. And then eventually I transferred over to the school system in La Crosse in Wisconsin. And so I've done, um, like I said, birth to three home care. I've done home health. I've done clinic therapy and um, now school-based therapy. And then through all of that, I kind of took the things that I liked from each setting and I opened uh, my own practice and it's called Kids Physical Therapy and it is in La Crescent. And um, it, like I said, it's just a little bit of um, all my favorites from all the different settings that I've worked in, so. Well, thank you for that background. Um, didn't obviously know all of that story. So thank you for sharing. Um, kind of focusing on the kids' physical therapy, could you just kind of give an, an overview of A, why you wanted to start it, and B, kind of what it is and who it serves? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the idea started even before I had children, um, because when I was working down in Decorah, Iowa, um, one of the things that I did while I was there in terms of PD pediatrics was um, an intensive program. And the two pediatric physical therapists I worked with at that time were amazing. And they taught me so much. They were, they were great mentors. Um, and so I, I really liked the intensive piece of it because I also did the traditional pediatric physical therapy there. And then we did the intensives. And with, with the traditional pediatric therapy, usually you're seeing kids one time a week for their whole life. <laughs> you know, they might take little breaks here and there, but they just kind of come once a week. And, and with pediatrics, you know, you don't see the huge progress like you do with the orthopedic population. Sure. You know, someone comes in with shoulder pain, you see them for a month and a half and they're back to baseline and, and then they stop coming where in pediatrics, it's, it's baby, it truly is baby steps. And so, um, with the intensives that we were doing down there, kids were coming five days a week for three hours a day for a whole month. And you would see bigger baby steps, if that makes sense. Um, you'd see more progress, you'd see more growth and more strength. And, and I just really liked that, that model of therapy. And, um, so after seeing that and then going into the clinic and the school-based setting again it's it's a different mindset and so for example in the schools because I'm currently still working in the schools in lacrosse it's more based around participation and function and getting from point a to point b in school so it's not necessarily working on I mean, it is working on progressing strength and all that stuff, but um, it's, it's a different thing because it all has to be tied to education. 
So it's the same type of physical therapy, but it's more consulting, if that makes sense. So you're telling the teachers and the teacher's assistants and the paraprofessionals, this kid really needs to work on sit to stands. Can you add those in during movement break in class? Or this kid really needs to work on weight shifts. Can you do a morning meeting song with the whole class so this kid can work on weight shifts? Um, So it's a different type of therapy. And and like I said, over the years, because I've been practicing for about 16 years now, it really just comes down to intensity. And um, one of the one of the things that has really gotten me is like, you look at, I use this example with my parents all the time. So um, I like to use basketball because everybody knows basketball. You're not gonna become LeBron James practicing once a week, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, or um, and for normal people, right? Everyday people, if I want to get stronger abs or swimsuit ready, right? Doing sit-ups once a week isn't going to get me there. So when we look at our most involved kids, our kids with cerebral palsy, our kids with Down syndrome, our kids who have a lot of that movement, the movement um, challenges that they have to overcome, seeing them once a week and we expect them to progress just at that low intensity, you know? So mm-hmm. if you have a child prodigy with piano they're going to practice every day for hours a day they're not going to practice once a week (laughs) or sometimes maybe they do but um so it's kind of along those lines like I believe in the intensity and the repetition and just providing as many opportunities as we can in a fun and and childlike way but then also teaching the parents what they can do without overwhelming the parents because like I said, um, with my own son. So he was in the NICU for eight months. He came home, um, ended up with a diagnosis of cerebral palsy. And so this, I was already a pediatric physical therapist before all this happened, but it kind of changes your perspective a little bit. So everybody talks about home programs and teaching the parents. And I completely agree with that and believe in that. But for my son, for example, he has physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, vision therapy. Um, He has adapted physical education. He has um, vision. Did I say vision therapy? Anyway, Mm -hmm. he has a ton of therapies, right? And you go to these therapies and each person is giving him anywhere from two to 10 things to, oh, go home and do this. Oh, feeding therapy is also one of the things he does. Um, And one day, I just for fun added up his whole entire home exercise program from all the people that see him. And if I were to do his home exercise program every day, it would be an eight to 12 hour day. And I work and I have two other children and I coach. Um, So the thought of teaching parents is great, but you really got to make sure that one, they have time for what they, what you're teaching them and, and, um, that you're not overwhelming them because then the parent guilt really kicks in when you realize, Hey, I'm not doing all these things that people are telling me to do and you want what's best for your child. And so that, that guilt is there as a parent. And so, so my clinic really, like I said, open opens the opportunity for increased repetition, increased opportunities. I have a lot of equipment that a lot of clinics don't have. I have a lot of equipment that schools don't have and it's expensive. And so for parents to go out and buy it and have it in their house, it takes up a ton of space. It takes up a ton of room. 
and then it ends up not being used and stored in closets. So, sure. so it's just a nice way for parents to, like I said, step back, take a breath, know that their kids are in good hands and they're getting some good exercise and strengthening and balance work and it's fun and we use music and so so that's kind of how it came around is I just took like I said the best things that I saw in all the different settings I worked in and and really wanted to have something that worked for families not just the kid not just the parents but families definitely um before we get into a little bit more of that just a curiosity on the intensive PT is that mainly just used in the pediatric setting I plead ignorance I'm not obviously not a physical therapist um, and haven't delved into it but I'm used to the traditional style um, for most things you know a couple times a week maybe 45 minutes to an hour you know even as an athletic trainer like yeah we get in the athletic setting I get to see my patients daily but it might only be for 20 minutes you know depending on what's going on um so just kind of curious is that utilized in other it is in different ways like if you look in a rehab setting um people who have strokes often go to rehab once they get discharged from the more intensive like um the ICUs or or the hospital setting, then a lot of times they'll go to more of a rehab setting. And in those settings, they do get, you know, anywhere from two to three hours of therapy a day. It might not just be physical therapy, but it might be a combination of physical speech and um, occupational therapies. And so they do get more, more of that intensive model in that setting. And and when you think about it, it, it it's kind of similar to what I'm doing because in that kind of rehab setting, they're usually working on someone who's had a stroke or some kind of um, neuro involvement. And a lot of the kids that I work with are also dealing with that same kind of um, brain involvement, dealing with their movement. And they, like I said, just need that increased repetition. In terms of like, um, like your traditional outpatient therapy, you don't usually see intensives in that setting because those are typically, you know, adults like me and you who, if we're told, go home and do 10 calf raises morning and evening, we have the ability to go home and do that ourselves. And it's on us and we don't have to rely on someone else having it or having to do it for us or having to help us with it, you know? And so, so you don't usually see that in the, in a traditional physical therapy setting. Sometimes you might see someone three times a week, say after an ACL tear or something or a sports injury with an athlete. Um, But the intensives are usually left more for pediatrics and then in that rehab setting with um, more of the um, neuro type physical therapy. Definitely. Thanks for just expanding on that. Um, What are some of the unique challenges and opportunities in working with the population that you do? You, You mentioned some of the equipment and the different things there, but if you could, you know, just go into more depth there. I know uh, looking at our episode sheet, you've got a few things listed. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of time, what what's unique is with pediatrics, you have that longevity, right? You usually start seeing them when they're toddlers and you might not see them. Like I said, you might not see them all year long, but you might see them in bursts throughout their 
throughout their life. So you get to know the family really well. You get to know the child really well. Um, some, some kids that I work with, I've seen for, you know, 10 years. So you see them when they're little bitties and then you see them when they're early teens and then you see them in their later teens. And so you just really get to, you really get to know the family and you really get to know the child. And it just becomes a big support system that you get to build trust. You get to spend a lot of time with them, you know, in a typical uh, doctor visit, you know, you get maybe 15 minutes if you're lucky with the doctor, right? And because they're brilliant and they're busy and they have productivity um, standards they have to meet. So it, the uniqueness of, of what I'm trying to do, like I said, is, is just building those relationships over a long course of time. It's really neat. And then um, another unique thing about what I'm doing is also I um, have eliminated the insurance issue. <laughs> um, I'm a small, you know, independent clinic. I don't have the time or energy to be fighting with insurance for reimbursements. Mm. And so I am an out-of-pocket or cash pay um, clinic, which can be a little scary for for parents when they see like what you're not taking my insurance but then when you sit down and talk about it and kind of go over things there's a lot of options out there there's a bunch of different funding sources that can help um, there's a bunch of grants that can help and then in hindsight you know like we pay so much to have insurance right and then you have to meet your deductible before that insurance right. covers anything and a, we'll just say you know, a traditional physical therapy visit at a hospital or clinic, you know, is going to cost $300 out of pocket until you make that deductible. Yep. And then some people have co-pays that they have to pay every time. And so, so it is, even though I'm not taking insurance, it's, if you just look at how much you're paying for that insurance-based stuff versus mine, it's a really good deal actually. Um, but but the insurance thing can can be a little scary for people but like i said i've kind of decided that i'm not going to waste my time and energy on that because i want to use my time and energy working with the families working with the kids um and then like i said i have have my own kids too so i don't want to be, be fighting with insurance left and right so that is also unique and now you're starting to see more independent practices coming up that are not insurance based I know locally we've got another group um, that has gone that route. I know they are now taking insurance, but they started off cash-based and it was a lot of that same thing of not dealing with insurance, but also having a little bit more freedom in what they could do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and I do provide like a, they call it a super bill at the end if they wish to submit it to their insurances themselves to see if there's any reimbursement. But so we've talked about the intensive um, and when that is, but you know, three hours of anything for a lot of people is a lot uh, unless you're making it really fun and engaging. Which again, I can imagine there's some challenges especially with the unique population you work with. So if you could just kind of talk to how you keep them engaged yet still accomplish the work, if you will, um, to get them the results that everybody's looking for. Yeah, so you, you nailed it on the head. It really is about keeping it fun. So like I said, I have a 
ton of different equipment that a lot of kids haven't probably seen or encountered before. And so a lot of times they're interested in that. And so, so for example, I use um, body weight supported treadmill training. A lot of kids haven't seen treadmills. And if they have, a lot of times they're told by parents not to touch or not to go on. And here we are getting to go on a treadmill. Um, I have something called the universal exercise unit, which looks like a big cage, right? It's a um, with a with an opening it's six feet by six feet and um and a lot of families do call it the cage but its true name is universal exercise unit and what that is is it uses a bunch of different bungees and and um and a belt and kids who haven't been able to stand or have never experienced standing or moving through space on their own without hands on them we get them in that and they usually love it and go great and so that's usually like what they want to do is they want to get up and they want to be moving and they want hands off of them. And that's one way that we can do that because like I said, there's bungees and support, so they're safe. They're not going to fall and hurt themselves, but we can do things like sometimes we pretend to be ninjas and work on kicking their legs, right? Or pretend to be a growing flower and work on getting up from the ground. Um, I also use a lot of music. Um, I use it both for fun, so I try to find out what music the kids are interested in, um, and then we usually have Pandora or something like that that we can turn on to access music, but then um, I also use the beat of music to help with stuff, and a lot of times that'll help um, kids who are kind of stuck with something if you get them listening to music and on a beat. Um, and, and then, like I said, I just have a ton of toys. <laughs> so I can pretty much grab any toy. I, like I said, I have three kids of my own and um, my son who has cerebral palsy when he was little, he really enjoyed the light up toys and the toys with music. So I pretty much own every single one of those because those were the toys he liked. So we got them, other people got them for him. And so, I, I have tons of toys. We make it really fun. Um, and then we do take little um, breaks. I call them breaks, but really we're always looking, I'm always looking for something with those breaks. So let's say if a kid's taken a water break or a quick snack break, we do it in a long sit position. So we're stretching their hamstrings and maybe I put them up on a wedge. So they're working on their um, pelvis control and some of their back strengthening with posture. And I, will make them reach for their treat and then they get to sit back and reach for their treat and then I might make them cross midline for their treat so sure. they look at it as a break because they're sitting somehow supported and working on things but we're getting something out during those breaks or um and then like I said if if they get tired with one thing like say we're walking in a gait trainer or using crutches or working on balance, then if I can see that they're losing interest or not fully participating, then maybe we move down to the floor and, and shift gears and do more stability work. And like I said, I have little pinwheels. I do a lot of breath work because the diaphragm is such a forgotten area, right? And that sure. helps with our stability, right? And um, a lot of kids don't know how to use their diaphragm and don't know how to use that breath support to help with their stability. So, so I tie in a lot of that. Um, and then one of the things I also ask parents is to, um, a lot of these kids have IEPs or individual education programs that they have through the school. So I often tell them, 
bring those in. We can tie in some of their goals from school. So if they're working on counting to 20, maybe when we do reps, we count to 20 with our exercises, or maybe they have to hit a toy 20 times or, you know, Mm -hmm. So we try to tie in a bunch of different things. So it's not just purely straight, go, 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 go for three hours. And, and then in speaking of the three hours, I also offer modified programs or camps. I call them camps, but they're, they're programs. Camp just sounds fun or who, who wants to go to therapy for the summer. But if you go to camp, right. <laughs> so, um, but for kids who, maybe wouldn't be able to tolerate tolerate the three hours of therapy or maybe they don't need the three hours of therapy um the three hours is our traditional camp and that's geared for the the kids with a lot of mobility needs so we'd be using a lot more of the supportive equipment doing a lot more transfers um, kids who are more mobile or kids who couldn't tolerate three hours I offer modified programs for that are like an hour and a half um, sometimes they'll only be four days a week instead of five sometimes they'll be three days a week instead of five but the key is um, to keep that intensity there so I, I want it more than just the one or two times a week for 45 minutes I, I want that intensity so um, but but there are modifications to that because not every kid needs three hours, five days a week. So when someone's interested and they get a hold of me, um, we talk about what the parents are looking for, what the kids' goals are, what works for the family, and then and then we come up with a, a camp that fits everybody's needs. That's awesome. And the attention to detail, you know, to always be getting something out of it, you know, mm -hmm. and always having a why for it, I think is fantastic. And because that makes it, you know, much easier to explain to parents that yes, we are doing this, but we're literally just not sitting there taking a break. Like there's all of this and that can be eye-opening. I'm sure things that can then be implemented at home that yep. people may not have thought of. So um, thanks for sharing all those ideas. Yeah. Um, anything else before we jump into the clinically pressed questions? Um, I think, I think that's, that's pretty much kids physical therapy in a nutshell. <laughs> Sounds good. As we're getting a little lag again. <laughs> yeah, I, I just noticed that too. <laughs> we'll just give this one a second. Okay, see if it passes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, if you closed all your tabs, maybe I need to close my tabs. <laughs> it could be the internet I'm on too. I, I, I've, and I probably haven't restarted this computer in a month. So, <laughs> you, you know. It sounds like we use our technology very similarly. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hard on it and then wonder why it doesn't do what I want it to. Mm -hmm. I think we're good. And again, I'll tweak all this out of there and get it to flow. So, um, <laughs> especially the vast majority of people just listen to the audio. We do put up the video on YouTube, but so if they do watch it, it'll just be a little jump of like where our head position is. Nothing, okay. nothing <laughs> drastic. So, all right, we'll get into these questions now. Um, so what is something you believe that others may not, and that can be related to just life in general or kind of, you know, your work as a physical therapist? 
Um, well, if you're talking about my work as a physical therapist and as a parent, um, since I get to see what both worlds are like, um, I, I do believe parents know their kids the best, even if they don't feel like they do, they do. <laughs> and when they go into the medical world and they hear something like, oh, let's just wait until they grow out of it, or let's give it a couple of years. Um, parents, parents know. And so one of the things I believe is just not, not playing the let's wait and see game because those early years of life, um, especially those first thousand days are so important for, for building motor plans and making habits and um, meeting those milestones when you play the, oh, let's just wait and see game. A kid who isn't walking might start walking, but maybe they start walking on their toes. And then they're like, well, let's just give it time. And then suddenly they're walking on their toes for three, four, five years. And then suddenly they're like, okay, now we need to get someone involved. Let's get physical therapy involved. Well, after you walk on your toes for three, four, five years without any kind of suggestions or intervention, um, then that motor plan is ingrained in their brain and their muscles might've started tightening up. And something that could have potentially been an easier thing to work on now becomes a harder thing to work on. So I just feel like if parents feel like something's not just right and someone tells you, let's wait and see, I'm a big proponent of keep asking the question, ask it to more people, find someone who might listen, you know, um, and, and let's maybe not wait and see. <laughs> Is one of the things I as a as a therapist and as an parent, but um, I also don't believe in taking no for an answer. So when someone tells me no, then it just makes me try harder <laughs> and 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 work harder and figure out how to make things work or how to find what I need to get where I want to go type of thing. Um, but then in terms of like life, right? <laughs> I also believe in, um, and this really gets out there sometimes, but like the universal intelligence and like raising your frequency. If you're positive, it attracts more positivity. If you're really negative, then you get all that negativity around you. So I'm, I'm all about, you know, trying to, trying to be the most positive and, and really raise that frequency level so that others can be attracted to that. I know it sounds weird, but <laughs> no, I think, it, you know, it's amazing how infectious that can be. And then, you know, yeah. kind of to that point, like, is that just, you know, for a lot of people, isn't that just like a happier place to live, you know, just yep. not constantly being mm -hmm. angry at a, everything. Uh, I, I, obviously there's times and places <laughs> for it all, but like, it's just, that's a tough place to live where it's just constantly, what's wrong yeah right I have a coworker who always says energy goes where energy flows <laughs> and it always makes me think like if you get stuck in that rut where all you can think about is negativity then all your energy is that it just consumes you so yeah I to try to look for the positives I can appreciate that um what would be kind of three or a couple take home tips or we also say like the twitter version you know the short condensed 
um, that you would want to share, you know, with the audience from your experiences? Well, I'm, I'm actually not on Twitter. So does that make me really old? <laughs> no, um, no, it might make you smart depending on where you are, but yeah, it could. Um, so take homes. Um, so that there's in physical therapy, there's two schools of thought. There's the people who think form and alignment, and they want that form and alignment perfect before you do anything else for the, the bony development and just for how our bodies are designed to work. And then you have the school of thought that's um, participation and activity and inclusion, and they don't care what you look like as long as you're involved and doing it and happy. Um, and so my take home for, for parents is if you can find a happy medium between the two, I feel like that's the best place to be. Cause you, you know, the ultimate goal is to have our kids lead happy, healthy lives. And to get there, you do need the form and alignment, but you also need to figure out the participation and inclusion piece. And, and a lot of times, especially now with um, all the buzz out there about inclusion, it's, you, you want to be included, but you don't want to just be included. You want to be involved. So that's my take home tip. Don't just include involve. Like you got to get that active participation and, and keep in mind form and alignment. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I feel like that's like the bell curve of everything. Like it's hard to go to one extreme or the other because the vast majority is going to be in that, you know, those, that middle two thirds. And yes, there's a time and place for the other, but it just seems the more with anything, it just seems to fit. Yep. Um, most influential and we use fitness in quotes kind of loosely uh, purchase for under a hundred bucks or kind of in that general ballpark. Yes, I love, um, I call them peanut balls because mm -hmm. they look, it's like the yoga ball or the therapy yep. ball that everybody's familiar with, but it kind of has that peanut shape. Yep. <laughs> I, I believe they're called physio rolls sometimes, okay. um, but peanut balls are amazing. If you like a round therapy ball or a round yoga ball, those peanut balls are great. I always recommend those to families if they're looking for a Christmas purchase for their kids because they're affordable and kids love them and you can do 8 billion things on them. <laughs> and, and they're a little bit more stable for our kids with big balance issues because you know a ball can roll how many different directions, but sure. the peanut ball is a little bit easier to control because it's not gonna go side to side unless you push it side to side. So I love those. That would be a huge recommendation. Um, I, I also feel like um, TheraBand can be a really cheap and easy purchase for people. And you can do a hundred different things with that too. It doesn't necessarily just have to be for rotator cuff repairs. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then um, another one that's usually fairly inexpensive and you can get right off of Amazon are abdominal binders. I had mentioned that I do a lot with breath control and like diaphragm and core stability. And sometimes kids just can't 
activate that, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have such low tone or they don't even know those muscles exist or they don't know how to control that. Um, a little abdominal binder, it, it kind of looks like a, a wrap that you could put around an ice bag or um, it, it can work as like a little compression garment. And those are really nice because it just kind of helps support. It almost is like how Spanx work for adults, right? Gotcha. <laughs> pulls everything in and gives you a little bit more stability and then you just take it off. So I, I think that's a neat, neat thing for under a hundred bucks too. Perfect. Book recommendations. Book recommendations. I, so because life happens, don't always have time to read, sit and read books. Right. <laughs> but because of my job, in the schools, I do a ton of driving. Okay. <laughs> so I listen to my books on tape. Perfect. Um, and I've listened to some really good ones here. Um, one of one of my recent favorites is called The Power of Habit um, by, oh my gosh, what is this? Charles Duhigg, I believe is his name. And okay. it's really neat because yeah. it talks about kind of like what I was talking about with kids and their motor planning and their motor milestones he talks about it more of like everyday adults and their habits, but he talks about like how hard it is to break a habit and the steps that you have to do to kind of replan how we think of things to start a new habit. <laughs> and that goes right along the lines of what I'm doing with kids just in a smaller body. So sure. I really like that book. And I thought he did a really nice job writing it because he kind of ties it into things like a famous football coach, Starbucks, and, you know, some startup business. He'll tell little stories about those things and then somehow tie them all together and then tie that all into habits. It's, it was really interesting. Um, a good book, if parents are listening and they're looking for a book to look at, um, it's called The Out of Sync Child Has Fun. Um, I'm also going to kill this name. It's a uh, Carol... Kranowitz, maybe? <laughs> I think that was a good attempt from um, what, what I'm seeing. Yeah, and that book is neat because it talks about um, how so many kids have different uh, things that they're seeking, right? Some kids are sensory seeking where they want to be moving and crashing, or some kids have vision issues, or some kids have hearing issues. And this book gives a lot of fun and creative ways to work on those things that they're seeking or things that they want to work on. It's um, it's a nice book for therapists to get idea, but it's also really pretty easy to read. And like I said, it gives a lot of neat ideas for parents if they're looking for fun things to do at home with their kids. Um, it's the sequel to just the out of sync child, okay. which talks more about how kids can get out of sync, you know, for any number of reasons, but then this book is the follow-up that gives ideas on games and activities. So that's a fun one. Awesome. And then probably my favorite book and one of the books that really um, motivated me to, to start my, to start kids physical therapy um, is called The Boy Who Could Run But Not Walk. And it was written by uh, Dr. Karen Pape. Um, who's no longer with us. She passed away a couple years now, but it's, it's an amazing book in terms of, it's a, it's a little harder read because it does go into a lot of the medical stuff. It talks a lot about her background and her progress over the years in the medical world of things, but um, 
one of the big takeaways from that book is she really talks about neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. And, and again, like I was saying, that first thousand days of life is a big changing period for kids in terms of their brain growth. When you think about how much kids grow in those first three, four, five years of their life and how much their brain changes and how much they learn. So she talks about that neuroplasticity and how, how, how we can work on creating change in the brain, even after that first, you know, major growth that we have. And she also talks about it, like in the teen years, we, when kids are going through puberty is another time where that neuroplasticity is really moldable, so to speak, <laughs> you know, like you can really make a lot of change there. But then she also talks about it into adulthood and, and she talks about a lot of um, treatment things that are still playing catch up in the research world of things, you know, someone comes up with great ideas and then it takes years and years and years to get the research to back it. And she right. talked about a lot of the stuff that she was in the front running for. And, and now people are just starting to find that the research is supporting it. And it's, it's a really neat book. I, like I said, that book motivated, it got me excited. It motivated me to start. Um, I, I started a group of pediatric physical therapies from the Cooley region. We were getting around, getting together on a monthly basis to kind of just share um, you know, things that PTs like to sit around and talk about, sure, <laughs> like to sure. talk about walking and gait and equipment yeah. and orthotics and then COVID hit and that's been on the down burner, of course, but hopefully that'll start back up again. Um, but yeah. And then, like I said, the book really gave me that final push to get kids up and running. So awesome. In your area of expertise, how would you make what you do that is complicated? simple uh i've already started to do it i think um insurance in and uh insurance and ma is a very difficult thing it's hard for parents to understand it's hard for clinicians to continually to fight with and so like i said that uh that's a pretty complicated thing that i am trying to uh cut out <laughs> i don't blame you i don't blame you at all I've been in a, the clinic setting for a year and it, it, none of it makes any sense. And what yeah. is approved, what's not, does approved actually mean covered? Does it not? Like, uh, it's mm -hmm. just, it's a mess. Yep. Um, Prior auths. And yeah, I know my son needed a stander and we submitted it to his insurance insurance came back and said we don't cover this standard but we'll cover this one so your son can have this standard and i looked at it i'm like no that's not appropriate for him and i know i know the ins and outs of insurance right, right. so then i went back at them and i said no that's not appropriate for this 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 he needs this one for this this and this they still said no i came back again and after like three or four denials then they finally said okay we will cover this standard like it's yeah it's a very complicated unnecessary stressor if you ask me <laughs> yes i couldn't agree more mm -hmm. last question um what information would you tell yourself um in your training or education if you could go back 10 years or or beyond if you could set the time frame i i would definitely tell myself not to sweat the small stuff <laughs> you know um not to worry about test scores to just 
take it all in and learn. Um, you know, I think when you're going through school, especially physical therapies programs are pretty intense and they're very competitive and people get so wrapped up and worried about scores and tests and passing and you don't always realize all the cool information you're getting I, I don't think until after you get out of school and you start practicing yes. and then you go through continuing education and you're like this is so neat I'm like I remember bits and pieces of this from school right. but now I really am enjoying relearning it right so that that would be because that would be my advice to myself is try not to sweat about that you know you will get through it just really take it all in and and learn it um you know because people are always worrying about i didn't do this or i didn't do that in the past or oh i have to do this i have to do that in the future right and we just need to live in the now <laughs> i would echo all of that in my own experience yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yes um if people wanted to check out more about kids physical therapy or connect with you with questions uh, what would be the best way for them to do that um well i have a i have a website it's www.kidsphysicaltherapy.com and that's kids with a z instead of an s um so i have a lot of information on there and i'm actually in the process of um, changing it around a little bit and, and adding a few things um so there's a lot of information there and then i also have a facebook page again it's kids with a z physical therapy um people can um send messages or or contact me that way um that's that's probably the best is through email and then we go from there after that initial email contact is made sounds great uh, well, I truly appreciate you taking the time to get this scheduled and do it and finally get it done, uh, even with our slight pauses uh, that people <laughs> might hear, but we'll get that cleaned up. But thank you again. Uh, this is, I learned a ton just not knowing about any of this stuff already and appreciate all the work that you do. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, this was a, was a pleasure to sit and sip on my coffee and chat with you <laughs> sounds good well thank you again thank you thank you for listening to this episode of clinically pressed we really hope you enjoyed it we're looking forward to all the new things you have coming out we're going to be getting new content out to you plus just a lot of other things and resources that we've been putting together in our new attempt to really try and give back and do a lot more for people trying to reach their health fitness and wellness goals so please stay tuned for that check out clinicallypress.com uh, we've expanded our exercise library so check out our youtube channel there's over 170 exercises on there now no long intros, no just rambling on. So please check those out and we'll catch you on the next episode.